Virginia is for families, all sorts of families. My family, your family, your neighbor's family, for families of all species, for beach chair sitting families and paddleboard standing families, for families that like to camp outside and the ones that would rather museum inside. Yep, we got plenty of those to choose from. For mountain hiking families and would rather hang out by the pool resort going families. Come to think of it, that's more my speed. So in conclusion, Virginia has all sorts of things your family could love. So come love it for yourself. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you're just joining us on the Exxon Broadcast Network or on Simul Radio or on Simul TV, Channel 21, or to any of our affiliated networks, Talkstar, Mutual Broadcast Network, or iTunes, iHeart, welcome, Exxon Nation. Always great having you with us. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Thomas Rosetto. Uh, he is one of the freshest voices offering guidance and enlightenment and spiritual awakening. He writes in simple, clear English, and this makes it easy for people to understand these very deep subjects. Thomas has taught a class for the Center for Lifelong Learning through Santa Barbara City College about his book, Living the Paradox of Enlightenment. He has spoken publicly numerous times, both in person and on the radio, and in September 2012, he spoke for the prestigious lecture series Mind and Supermind, which is run by Santa Barbara City College. Graham Hancock selected uh, Thomas as his author of the month for March 2012 and again for August 2014. Thomas has also written about the famous musician, magician, nice going Rob, nice cover. Let's try that one again. Mind want to go one way, mouth want to go the other, and as usual, mouth wins. But let's try that again. Sorry about that, Thomas. Graham uh-huh. Hancock uh, selected Thomas as his author of the month for March 2012 and again for August 2014. Thomas has also written about the famous magician and escape artist, Harry Houdini, and the claim that Harry was able to get a secret message to his wife, Bess, after Harry died on Halloween 1926. If you'd like more information about our guest this hour, his website is infinity mystical infinitely mystical.com and joining me now is thomas rosetto and thomas welcome back to the exxon sir uh thank you so much rob for having me again listen i have to ask you i have to ask you a question there are so many people out there these days and i'm asking you this because i've had the pleasure of talking to you before and and you're a down-to-earth guy yeah there are so many people out there who are trying to bamboozle people into the different realities, the different frequencies, the different dimensions, the different vibrations, the different planets, the different this, that, and the other thing. And the internet has opened up a, a direct line from, you know, from thought to septic tank. How do people who, who, are, who are actually seeking the truth how do they find it? I mean, besides listening to us here on the Exxon and knowing that you're, you know, how to contact you. But how do people in general find the truth? And how do they dispel the, the people who are out there who really don't know what the hell they're talking about? Yeah, that's a, a really, really interesting question. Because for myself, personally, mm-hmm. I get a pretty good read on people. Yeah. 
Um, but I understand that most people really don't have that ability. And what really helps me, and maybe you being in radio might feel similarly about this, when I hear someone's voice, I start to get a real tune in on who they are as a person, whether they're yeah. a selfish person, whether they're a greedy person, or whether they're a helpful person. So when I hear your voice, I can tell that you're a helpful person. This isn't all about Rob and the big spotlight on Rob. This is about helping making the world a better place. Exactly. And so if you can, yes. So if you can see that in this other person, even though they might be a little bit, mm, shall I say, going down the wrong path, unbeknownst to them, someone may have a kind heart and be trying to help people. Mm -hmm. And you have to be tuned in to the fact that they may be taking you somewhere that eventually you go, you know, I really don't fit there, but for a while I did. Yeah. And be willing to change from one to the other. When I was a young boy, I was raised Catholic. And what I really tuned into that was um, teaching you and inspiring you to be a good person. Mm -hmm. That's what I resonated with. But by the time I became a young adult, there were so many questions in that religion that left me kind of wondering. I think I'll try it alone with, it, with nothing. You know, I don't know what I'm going to find, but I'm just going to drop mm -hmm. that and I'm going to try something else. And so it's been a long journey for me in various different ways. And um, if you want, I'll give you more on that, but that's, that's a good point. Well, let me just say this, and this is coming from my heart. I'm glad there are people like you, Thomas, out there. I'm glad there are people like Graham Hancock out there. And I'm, I'm very glad there are other people that I've had the opportunity of having on the show who I know for a fact are out there doing what they're doing to make this world a better place. Yeah. So I thank you for the great work you do, my friend. No, thanks again. Listen, uh, let's get back to the, uh, the crux of this. Um, let's talk about the field of spirit communication. You know, why do you find this so interesting? Well, you know, everybody has that burning question. Mm -hmm. What happens when you die? Is there an afterlife, yeah. you know? And so, of course, you hear all kinds of stories about all kinds of things, and one of the subject matters is spirit communication mm -hmm. through psychic mediums. Yeah. And I remember um, a man named Dr. Gary Swartz. He's yeah. with the University of Arizona. And his book, The Afterlife Experiments, came out, I believe it was 2002. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing him interviewed by Art Bell way back wow, then. Yeah. You know? And I thought, you know, this is a pretty interesting guy. He's very scientific. He wasn't a believer. He had some experiences. He put things in the laboratory, and he changed his mind. So I'm going to go get his book out of the library and read the thing. And I read it, and I, you know, this guy has a Ph.D., from Harvard. Yeah, he's got a real psychology. Yeah, he's got a real yeah. PhD. He just didn't go on the internet, pay a hundred and some exactly. odd bucks and get it. Yeah. Exactly. This is not a store bought PhD. This right. is a real PhD. And he went on to be a professor of psychiatry and psychology at Yale. And um, he had some other responsibilities at Yale too. So this guy is no slouch. Mm -hmm. He's no dummy. He's hardworking. And I don't think he's pushing an agenda. So when I read that book, I just found it very convincing that there is the possibility. It certainly doesn't prove <laughs> that there aren't fakes, right. but there are real people that are working as mediums and getting in touch with spirits. So as a believer, the Houdini case, give us your take on that. Yes. Um, as a believer, it's easy to say that the Houdini case is just going to be one among many. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's not trying to make the Houdini case 
the first breakthrough case like this is it boy it's locked down you're really going to get the nuts and bolts and you know it's really going to be tight no but if you already believe in spirit communication you can go you know what i bet this thing worked let's look at the evidence both pro and con but the houdini case really isn't that clear is it now there's and part of that is because the evidence points both ways. When you look at some of the things some of these people say, including mm -hmm. Mrs. Houdini, at one point she's saying very strong things about how she believed it was true, and at other points she'll say that it um, wasn't true at all. And let's just let's just uh, talk about uh, one of those things where she was interviewed shortly after it happened. Um, by one of these newspapers. Let's see what it is. Um, she gave an interview with the New York Times, and this happened just days after this famous seance, which we'll get into more of the details later. But this is what she said. She's referring to the words that came forth through the psychic medium, Arthur Ford. They are the exact words left for me by Harry, and I'm absolutely convinced that my husband talked to me and that there is life beyond the grave. That is very strong, positive support. But why wouldn't Harry talk to his wife directly? Um, because she doesn't have the psychic ability to communicate with those on the other side. So she's going to need a medium to work in between. But she did later try to do that. But the point mm -hmm. I was going to make is that those words could be genuine, and yet someone tricked her and got the words to Ford ahead of time. Ah. And so she would think that she had been in touch with Harry, and that she would think that she was convinced that her husband talked to her from beyond the grave. But it isn't true. So we need to back up a little bit and go into that. But All right, um, let's, let's take let, it one step at a time. All right, let's go into it one step at a time when we come back from this commercial break, Thomas. And uh, thanks for being with us. And by the way, as of tomorrow, tomorrow is Halloween, 82 yes. years ago, Houdini passed on. Wow. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with our guest of this hour, Thomas Rosetta. And his website is infinitelymystical.com. And this is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our affiliates around the world, including the Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, and then, of course, Simul Radio and Simul TV. On Simul TV, we are Channel 21. And for more information on Simul TV and how you can actually watch the Exxon TV channel and the great programming we have there, www.simultv.com. Thomas and I return on the other side, continuing our story on Harry Houdini. Don't go away. Exonation, Thomas Rosato is our special guest. His website is infinitelymystical.com. 
All right, Thomas, let's get back to Harry Houdini because hmm, I would say 99.95% of all our listeners know about Harry Houdini. And, and you know, being here in Ontario, I go down to Niagara Falls quite often to see our daughter, who's a manager of a property down there, a hotel. And we always stop by, uh, especially around Halloween, to the Harry Houdini, the Harry Houdini Museum down there. And... Um, why do you think 80 some odd years, 82 years later after he passed on, he's still very popular? That is quite remarkable. Well, first of all, he's an incredibly colorful personality, mm-hmm. very much a showman. And I had no idea that he was actually, at the time that he was alive, at the peak of the activity, which I think was all the way up until he died, he was considered the number one entertainer in the world, the highest paid entertainer wow. in the world. I didn't realize that. And he had such a showmanship to him that mm-hmm. if he ever heard of any kind of report about one of the events, or one of his stunts, he was very, very fit athlete. He wasn't very tall. He uh, was very strong, though. He was an excellent swimmer. He could um, uh, dislocate his shoulders to get out of those straight jackets and things. You know, he could use his toes like fingers. So he would be able to do all kinds of phenomenal things. But sometimes the reported story would be even more phenomenal than what actually happened. And he said, when that happens, always be sure to report the more phenomenal thing. (laughs) So he always took advantage of really good press. So, uh, you know, we were talking before we went to the break about how his wife was with with a medium and the message that the medium gave her was basically word for word on what the message was that Harry said that he would send her from the other side, and she was convinced that it was, in fact, a communication from Harry just to find out that it was basically a, a sham because the the uh, the medium already knew what the secret message was. Were there any other cases like that where people tried to fraudulently work their magic to, to prove that there was communication from the other side or, or that... Anything that would influence Mrs. Houdini? Well, I don't think that Arthur Ford actually had the message ahead of time. I think he did get it through spirit communication, but I can't prove it. But the kind of um, the bridge between Arthur Ford Mm -hmm. and Beth Houdini, his wife, um, first started to come together in around 1928 when... Harry's mother had also passed away. She had passed away in 1913. And the spirit of Harry's mother barged into a session that Arthur Ford was doing with his own clients. Now, Arthur Ford already was a reasonably well-established psychic medium and had a practice, and people would come to him, and he wasn't looking for attention. And another point uh, is that Harry Houdini and his wife, they were not believers. And it wasn't just that they weren't believers. They were very vocal about the fact that spirit communication was fraudulent. Um, However, um, when the mother passed away in 1913, Harry did give a genuine effort to try and find psychic mediums that would be able to bring her messages to him. And he was looking for one word before she passed away they had a conversation that if they were to be able to communicate over this this barrier between mm-hmm. the spirit world and the physical world, that she would bring the world forgive. And so Harry went to the psychic mediums to see if anyone would bring her spirit forward and this one-word message, forgive, which wasn't encoded in any way. 
And he met with psychic mediums that were all frauds. They all researched the subject ahead of time, mm-hmm. found out little pieces that they could put on the table and make it seem like they were getting this material from psychic means or spiritual means rather than from ordinary investigative means. And this got Harry mad because it wasn't just that they were tricking people. It's that these guys were actually trying to cut into, on occasion, people's inheritances when loved ones passed over. So he started to engage in really strong um, expose of these fake mediums. I don't know if you want to talk more about that, but we can. Oh, sure, please, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, What he would do is he would have these assistants, Mm -hmm. and these mediums were... They were traveling mediums. They would travel around because if you just sit in one spot, you're going to burn out, right? Yeah, exactly. You go to new places, get fresh, fresh people to come to your mm-hmm. uh, sessions. So they would come to town, and he would send his assistant down and say, go check out the show and see what's happening, and then we'll find a spot in the show where you know the lights will be down low, but people can still kind of see, and the, and the medium is supposedly levitating some object to the air or some kind of trick <clears throat> that when the lights are unexpectedly turned on that a photographer can take a picture and the medium can be exposed as a fraud. <clears throat> Once they found a spot in the show that would fit, they, Harry would show up, but he would wear a disguise because he was very well known. He would show up with a disguise and a photographer from a newspaper and they would get the guy that controlled the lights in on their side and at that particular point in the show they would turn on the light and everyone would see that the guy was a fraud, photographer would take a picture and the medium would go what's going on who are you and he would take off his mask and he would announce i am harry houdini (laughs) and it was quite the show but these guys i think start these guys are these fake mediums i think they communicated amongst themselves and they kind of started to say this houdini guy man he's really raining in our parade so what we need to do is get him to back off and i think that they might have i have no real proof that they might have actually paid this young collegiate boxer to actually punch Harry Houdini in the stomach that time when he was up in Canada. And I, yeah, I think they were trying to say, just back off, Harry, man. We're not messing around with your stuff. You get out of our way, and everything will be fine. And they just wanted to rough him up. But that, that's just my thought. But how did that work for them? Um, what I, do you mean? Yeah, you know, like, we all know that you know that punch was ultimately the cause of the death of Houdini, but do you think that charlatanism still reigns today in the world of psychic mediums? You know, I I think so. And mm-hmm. as Harry would do, um, he would and his wife together right. would have shows where they basically just said, "Look, we're going to do a séance." but we're not doing anything supernatural. But we're not going to show you the, how these tricks are done. We're just going to tell you right up front, nothing supernatural is going on. And they would replicate many of these things that people see. So he was trying to educate them and say, don't be so gullible. Just don't be so gullible. You know, we used to go, when the Exxon started 20-some-odd years ago, my God, uh, we, we, we'd go to with psychic fairs on, on live remotes. We do the show from these events, and of course, oh, when fun. yeah, and uh, you know, we, we'd also be promoting the radio station that we were at at the time. But I stopped doing that because, you know, at a psychic fair, if anybody has never been to one, please don't. You're just going to waste your money. Um, what they do is they usually go into a long hall and they put tables along the outer rim of the walls and then in the middle 
of the hall, they have what they consider to be the premier psychics. And I would see people go from one psychic to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and then they'd stop and leave. It took me a couple of these events to figure out what was going on. They would go from psychic to psychic to psychic to psychic until they heard what they wanted to hear. And once they heard what they wanted to hear, they left. There was an occasion on this show, oh my gosh, had to be 12, 14 years ago, where a, a medium came on and she said, Rob, I've got a message for you from your sister. Can I talk to you about it on air? I've got nothing to hide from my audience. So I said, sure. Yeah. She said, Rob, your sister is telling me that she loves you, she misses you, and uh, to know it's her, she is tall, she has blonde hair, blue eyes, and she is your younger sister. And you miss her, and this and that, and the other thing. And, and, and I let her go for about five minutes. Oh and then I said, I've got some good news and some bad news for you. I said, the good news was, it's a great story, the bad news is, I don't have a sister. Yeah. Yeah, it's bang. Yeah, this is a really psychic. I took a class in parapsychology when I was here at the university in mm -hmm. Santa Barbara, and I was a, a little surprised. I didn't realize it at the time, but the teacher actually was a uh, visiting professor. Is quite uh, quite well known. I forget where he was from, but anyway, we used a textbook. And in there were certain experiments that they talked about. And one of them was mind over matter. Mm -hmm. You know, the little uh, balls that you drop down from the top, and it would hit a little peg, and it would go to the left or the right, and the left and the right, and it would keep hitting more and more pegs. And you were trying to make all of them go to the left or all of them go to the right. And, you know, the results of this are always statistical. You can't say, oh, there's the effect, you know, because exactly. it could have by pure chance. Um, and then when it went to uh, these psychic messages, Sometimes the messages are just clearly from left field, like there's no way this is even close to being mm -hmm. true. And yet the psychic is like, but it's such a strong feeling that this is true. So you still got to drive your own boat and you still got to make your own calls. You know, so I don't want to hand people off to psychics and say, let them run your life. And them lots of money. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and we'll life. continue this conversation on the other side of the news. Exonation Thomas Rosetto is our special guest this hour. His website is infinitivelymystical.com. And uh, this is the Exxon. You all know that because you're all psychic. And we come to you Monday through Friday from, wow, lady in Brazil got it, 10 o'clock at night, and another lady in Australia got our cling, our finishing time at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm just kidding with you. Right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, send me your emails, yeah, as well as the hate mail that you usually send me. Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com, and uh, Thomas and I will be back as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology right here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
Exxon Nation, Thomas Rosato is our special guest this hour, www.infinitelymystical.com. Thomas, why do you think in the year 2018 people still believe in psychics? People still go to mediums. People still try to find within the world of New Age phenomenon the proof that there's more to life than there really is, or in your opinion, based on the years of experience you've got, why or what are people looking for? They want relief from their suffering, their emotional suffering, or they want some kind of guidance if they feel lost. Mm -hmm. Like they've lost a loved one, it would be the first case, but if they're, you know, marching down their their life one step at a time and asking, is this all there is? They might want a little bit of direction. And there might be some benefit to some psychics. I haven't used psychics, but I have been around psychic Mm -hmm. mediums. Uh, I've been around trance channels the most. Um, And um, that can be an interesting thing, but I think there was a famous one. I didn't know her, but she hung around uh, California, Malibu, I think she was telling people that there was going to be some kind of change on the coast of California and had everybody move to Montana, you know, and then nothing ever happened. So it's just such a strange thing. Um, And and how many swings at the baseball does the batter get, you know? Three strikes and you're out in baseball, but uh, apparently these guys get as many pitches as they want to deliver, you know, so. I'm I'm still trying to say that they can. I'm still trying to figure out why people still revere Edgar Cayce. Yeah, I mean, there's. it's been many years since he said some of those things, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know, maybe some of those people actually received some kind of health benefit when he gave them some kind of guidance on that, and then we also have the power of positive thinking sure. for the people themselves at play. I mean, they say right now in the modern medical world, if you could come up with a drug that was as good as the placebo effect, which I think they're saying is like... Yep. A third or something, you know, you'd, you'd ticket to ride right there, you know. So, I don't know. Well, what you were talking about a trans channeler? What is that? Oh, it's where someone actually lets a spirit take over the voice and the body mannerism. Sometimes it's just the voice, and they keep their eyes closed. Sometimes they open mm. their eyes and walk around the room. So, um, Jane Roberts and Seth was my first experience with that kind of thing. I didn't experience. I read the books that right. were dictated by Seth. And there was a good handful of books dictated by Seth. I found them very interesting. I thought he was very compassionate, very intelligent, mm-hmm. and um, very wise. And so I, I did look at that. But at the same time, um, there are other trans channels that I've seen that were... Well, I'll just say this. They left me very uncomfortable. Yeah, it can uh, be very much like people. Some people are good people, and it's easy to be around them. And sure. others, mm, you don't really want to be there. They're, they've got some kind of hidden agenda, and they're, they're looking to manipulate we had Sylvia Brown booked three months before she passed away. And I called up her agent and, you know, I, I said, you know, our condolences, but how come she didn't know she was going to die? Yeah. And the answer was, well, a psychic never knows anything about themselves. Their gift is not for them, it's for the world. Well, I kind of hear what they're mm. saying there. But um, I think they might know some things about themselves, but knowing when you're going to die would be kind of a uh, difficult burden to carry. So I don't know. Yeah. Where do you, where do you but see the it? Point, yeah. 
Go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. The no. point is, you just you just don't want to give over your control. You got to use your common sense. You got to see things mm. from your perspective. I mean, if you were my best friend, I would know that you're looking out for me. But that sure. doesn't mean I'm going to do what you say to do. Of course not. Of course not. And and once again, we used to have Friday night psychics. Excuse me. Where we'd open up the lines and we'd have psychics from all over the United States and Canada on every Friday night, a different psychic for every two hours, and we'd do four hours. And once again, I stopped it because the same yeah. people were calling in with the same blooming question. Like it, it, yeah. it became apparent that they did not want to take control of their own life. Exactly. For some reason, yeah. they've got this out available to them, and they're taking it. They're saying, oh, good. It's not me. I don't have to worry. Yeah. I'll let this guy drive the car, you know. But that's not the point. You've got to learn how to drive your own car. You've got to make your own decisions. And if you don't believe that you have that ability, mm -hmm. then your actions are going to follow that belief. If you believe that you can make a decision, you can make a yeah. wise decision, you can make a comfortable decision, and you can guide your own life in its own way, only you know where you should be going. And you know, Thomas, I believe that belief is the strongest power in the universe. If yeah. you believe something, you will make it happen. Uh, you know, once again, the difference between a dream and reality is is making it happen. The dream is the idea. The reality is the result of your time, your effort, your blood, your sweat, and your determination to make this thing happen. And yeah, and your emotions are also involved in big that. Big time. Go ahead. No, yeah. I, I was just agreeing that the emotions are involved. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have these core beliefs, mm -hmm. and if you have an idea about what you want to pursue, that's a goal. It's an idea. And I don't go quite as far as you. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that mm -hmm. that's the direction I should be going now. I don't know what I'm going to find when I get there yeah. necessarily. But I know that... My enthusiasm about my passion is working to motivate me to actually take action and go in this direction in a joyful way and being available for kindness and compassion for the people I meet along the way. I've gotten myself into more trouble by saying one simple statement. It's the weak in society who are preyed upon by the members of the New Age movement. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, and um, the New Age movement has, in my opinion, distorted some of these things that get offered by mm -hmm. sincere teachers, um, and they'll stretch them, and they make them much more palatable, much more marketable, much more seductive, I think is a better word for it. Seth never said you can have whatever you want. He said um, you create your own reality, exactly. but he meant you create your own reality through the core beliefs that you have within the framework of the life that you've chosen from a spiritual pr perspective before you were born. So there's a certain theme that you're living out. It's not that you're wild to run completely free, but you do have a lot to say about what's happening now. But if you take that message and say you can be, do, and have whatever you want, now you've got a much more seductive message. And if you've got someone who's been successful with a book or with workshops, or with private readings, and they have a lot of money, they're going to attract people that want money or relationships. It's love, money, and health. Those are the three driving factors that keep this 
um, industry going. And it is an industry. That is the sad part about it. Over the years, and my producer said I've been doing the show now for 29 years. Thanks, Craig. I feel like an old man more than I did before. Uh, I have seen, I have seen the the tide turn from everyone yeah. wanting to help everybody for the right reason to, well, you know, I've got to make a living. I've got bills to pay. To, whoa, you know, for the psychic or the medium, they used to charge thirty, thirty-five dollars. We're now charging what? Two hundred, three hundred dollars a minute. Yeah, uh, an hour. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it's. I was going to say a hundred, hundred twenty bucks a, a session. Yeah, yeah stuff it's like that, and more. And more. It, it's really sad. And instead of going to these people and, and you know spending your hard-earned money, I know it's it's easier for you to accept that. You know, it's not your fault. It's something in your past life that is causing you to react this way instead of, you know, and all the hubbub that goes along with past life regressions. And, oh, and, and I love putting them in a crossfire in my crosshairs. Look in the mirror. The person that you're looking at has all the answers to all your problems. Face your demons. That's where the answers lie. They don't lie with someone else. You know, I talk to my wife, I talk to my friends if I've got something that I want, you know, get feedback on. And, you know, our kids, God bless them. One thing they always had from me was exactly what I thought, the truth. Yeah. Never yeah. sugarcoated it. You know, just like our daughter, Amy, she used to love to put all these pictures all over the, all over her room. And I'd say, honey, what are you doing that for? Well, it's the secret. I see it yes, and right. it'll happen. And I would look out her bedroom window and I said, well, the Ferrari's still not in the driveway. And, yeah, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And th that's what I mean is the secret was one of the most, oh, I just wanted to touch on one point. You mentioned uh, past lives. Yeah. And people saying it, it, it's something in my past life. This keeps them as a victim. It takes away their responsibility them seeing yep. themselves as responsible. And I don't want to blame the victim. I just want to point out that you are not oh. the victim of your beliefs. You are the chooser of your beliefs. This is where your liberation is. Well, okay. anyway, I, we're going to take go a, we're going to take our final break, my friend. And it's always great talking to you. Thanks very much for sharing your time with us tonight. Okay. That uh, sounds good. All right, Thomas, we'll be back on the other side of this break. Exonation. If you'd like more information about Thomas, his website is infinitely mystical.com. And we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And uh, don't forget, for all those people who crash and burn here on the show, they get a place of honor and distinction. They love the Internet so much that I have designated, and I have for a number of years now, a place where their name shines in the stars. It's called the Exxon Order of Woo-Woo's. And that's www.exxonorderofwoowoos.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't you dare go away.
ExoNation, our guest this hour is Thomas Rosetto, and his website is infinitelymystical.com. First of all, Thomas, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Always great chatting with you, my friend. Oh, thanks again for having me. Anytime, anytime. We were just going to start something on the other side of the uh, final break, and I, and I stopped you, and old age is here. I can't remember what it was going to be. Well, we were just touching on the fact that The Secret is probably one of the oh, best yeah. packaged and um, distributed, you know, with a streamed DVD book, yeah. a book that was, I'd never seen a book that was physically like that. I mean, the production values on that book were just off the hook, you know, and it's, it's all adding to this seductive, you know, you can be, do, and have whatever you want, mm-hmm. and all you need to do is think about it and, and have these uh, visualizations and uh, these other tools that they talk about. And there are some important things about the creative process, but this is not it. The most important thing about the creative process is to always be monitoring your emotional state of being and to do your best at being as happy as you can be most of the time, as kind as you can be most of the time, as peaceful as you can be most of the time. And that's really an important thing. From, from that comes your action, and from that will come your circumstances. That's, that, that's the way I see it. Yeah, I see it that same way. So what are you working on now, Thomas? You know, I wrote this book, um, Living the Paradox of Enlightenment, it actually first came out about, I think it was about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And recently I uh, released a second edition. And so I just polished that up a little bit, and I'm um, promoting it. And I really um, have to tip my hat to my mentor, Timothy Conway, who uh, moved away from Santa Barbara. And so we were having weekly meetings, mm-hmm. not just him and I, but uh, he had a small group that would meet. I would go to those, and that's where I got a lot of the uh, things that I put in the book. And then um, I have another long chapter that also uh, draws from the work from Bashar and Seth. Seth is channeled by Jane Roberts, and Bashar is channeled by Daryl Anka. So anyway, I have a little bit different take on this stuff. So some people are a little confused when they encounter my work, because it's like, what are you doing, man? I mean, we can't be, do, or have whatever you want. Uh, normally, I would just throw you in the trash, but maybe, maybe you have something intelligent to say about this subject. So I'm working on that. It's it's pretty remarkable that people really believe that you you can get without working for it. That yeah. just blows my mind. <laughs> you know, what, all throughout my life, um, nothing's come easy. Nothing comes easy in life. You know. There's been struggles, there's been hard times, there have been failures. Mind you, whenever there's a failure, I always have looked at that as a lesson to success. Yeah. You've got to learn that lesson. And if you don't have the ability to learn that lesson and to get, you know, to to find out what the problem is, it's just like that uh, circle of that uh, little hamster's cage, you know, the wheel's going around, but the hamster's been dead for two years. You You, you need to understand or look at why it failed, and what you can do to fix it. And exactly. then go, go forward. But so many people today just get to that wall or have that failure and, oh, I failed, I can't do it. I feel, I feel bad for those kind of people. Yeah, and Rob, you know what? When that failure happens, if they also throw in a really strong, charged, negative emotion, mm-hmm. that's going to reflect back. So if you see a so-called failure, and you can look in my life, most people would look at many things in my life and go, oh, failure here, failure there. 
if you look at those things without having that strong negative emotional charge saying, mm-hmm. okay, I'm here right now. I'm not condemning what's happening. I'm going to emotionally accept what's happening, but I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to work on changing it. So that's a big difference. You're going to emotionally accept it, but you're going to work on changing it. That's really important. For our listeners who may not know who Seth is, I, I, I would like it if you could, because we've talked about Seth a number of times this hour, and, and then it just dawned on me, well, there are listeners that we have now that we didn't have the last time you were on. And they may not who yeah. Seth is. So please share with our audience the story of Seth. Um, I found out about this in around 1980, but the books were originally released around 1970. Mm-hmm. A little bit before that for a book that wasn't fully dictated. But a woman named Jane Roberts and her husband, Robert Betts, um, were living in New York. And um, for some reason, they started fiddling around with an Ouija board. They didn't believe in spirit communication. This board started to move messages around. And it progressed to the point where they weren't using the board and the pointer anymore. And she was just talking. And you can actually go on the internet, YouTube, and put in Jane Roberts and Seth, and you can actually see video. Now, of course, it's going to be black and white, fairly low quality, but you'll be able to get the mannerisms of Seth. You'll be able to tune in whether Mm -hmm. or not this is a match for you or whether you want to deal with any of this. But these books started to be dictated that were long. I had trouble reading these books. They were, I had to put my thinking cap on to read these things. I know other people have said that they just gobbled them up in a flash, but I'm not a very fast reader to start with, but I really had to put my thinking cap on. So Seth dictated these books through Jane Roberts, and um, they were published mainstream. They sold millions and millions of copies. Um, And I think she passed away in around 84. And so in around 1980 was when I started to read some of them. I have not read all of them. I do not consider myself an expert in it. But I'm familiar with enough of the material to draw on it and include that in my book. So what do we know about Seth? Who was he in life? Or was he from another dimension? Was he from another planet? Was he a spirit that remained on this, on this, uh, on this field, on this realm, in this realm? And how do we describe him? Well, I think he described himself as a disincarnate entity who had been incarnate many, many mm. times. And... Um, I don't know much about those past lives. I think he said that he and Seth and Robert, her husband, all shared some lives together or something to this effect. And that's why there's a a bond. One thing he did talk about was how reincarnation is not, it is an individual thing, but individuals stay with groups. So a family will reincarnate Mm. with roles, with their roles switched or somewhat expanded or it's very interesting and he even talked about uh, larger groups one of his books was about mass events where he talks about more difficult subjects like catastrophes and war and things like that Um, but I don't know much about Seth himself as a person and Jane Roberts she was pretty Mm -hmm. simple-minded she I shouldn't say simple-minded in the sense of not very smart but she was just focused on her work with that and she did some other her own writing she did some poetry and some other writing and um, they were simple people, I think is what I'm trying to say. They just worked on this. They lived in a, um, they weren't very presumptuous. They just did their work. And people would really put themselves out to go and visit some of these sessions. And there's uh, some people that you can find 
that are promoting this work much more heavily than I am. Um, they're much more of an expert. They've read the books. They give workshops on it, things like that. So you can find out a lot. What is your take on reincarnation? Um, some of the most interesting reincarnation stories that I read about came through Ian Stevens. Mm -hmm. I believe it's even Ian Stevens. It might be Ian Stevens' son. I always get that confused. And he is retired, and he's been followed up by Jim Tucker, who they had worked together, and he handed off the, the reign of the work. But some of the stories that they tell are just remarkable. And um, a young child, five years old, remembering being um, a Navy pilot on an aircraft carrier in World War II and remembering the names of his friends and the name of the ship and, and the parents not knowing how to handle this story. And, you know, but working with the son and taking him to some of to actually meet some of the people that were on the aircraft carrier and these stories are very interesting to me because they seem to have very specific memories and um, it also seems to be healing for them when they clear these memories and go that is not who you are now because there was a lot of fear with this young five-year-old boy but he would wake up at night with a nightmare being in an airplane on fire crashing you know wow. and so the healing came when he realized that this isn't happening to him now. So um, there are many other stories about that. Uh, people that sometimes people uh, find out that the way they died was very traumatic and was leading to alcoholism in this current life. And once they recognized this linkage, they could let go of that mm -hmm. causal factor and they no longer had problems with alcohol. Listen, the time is uh, coming very close where you and I must say so long. So first of all, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Thomas. And like I said to you during one of the breaks, we'll have to have you more on more often. But let our listeners know about your new book and how they can get a copy of it. Amazon.com, Living the Paradox of Enlightenment. And my name again, Thomas Rosetto. And the website, InfinitelyMystical.com. There's a lot of free essays on that website. You'll find out from reading those free essays if the book is a good match for you, and so that'll make it really easy for you. Thomas, do me a favor. Take care of yourself and keep the great work up that you do. Ah, thanks so much for having me on, Rob. You take care, my good friend. And Exonation, right. if you'd like to find out more about Thomas, he's got a great website. He's a great author. Visit www.infinity.com. Infinitely, I'll get this right yet. My God, poor guy. He's probably saying, what the hell's wrong with him tonight? Infinitelymystical.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, you can get your complimentary copy of the X Chronicles newspaper each and every month with my compliments and the compliments of our advertisers at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. That's X-C-H-R-O-N-I-C-L-E-S newspaper.com. <laughs> 